we know that you will love this podcast. So shut your mouth and listen to Canadian Bushcraft. Hello, Dragonfly Nation. This is the Canadian Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Caleb Musgrave, and I'm joined with my dear co-host, Rye the Adventure Guy. What's up? What's up? <laughs> and uh, just as a heads up, you're probably going to hear different audio than usual with us. We are outside. We're trying to follow COVID-19 protocols to the best of our abilities. Uh, we are in the garden behind the house, up in the four, uh, in the quarter, quarter acre garden, or quarter, quarter acre homestead as we've been calling it. Uh, so you may hear ducks quacking. You might hear some geese honking or, or whistling or squeaking. You might also hear machines going by, ATVs, trucks, lawnmowers. We will try to pause the recording whenever we know a big machine's coming by or a group of machines are coming by, but bear with us because we're just trying this out to see how this works. Uh, we're using our Zoom H4N Pro that we got because of you dear patrons who have been helping us finance this whole project. So we're going to see how this works. Today's episode is about camp hygiene, hygiene in the outdoors. You know, at home, you can flush everything away. You can have all the fancy frilly soaps you have all the amenities that you have in a house, a shower, a bathtub, what have you. In the woods, not so much. You need to kind of figure out how to do things a little bit smarter. You need to be a little bit more mindful of doing these things, of how to do the deed and all, everything else around that. But this goes beyond just simply using the toilet. This can go into washing your hands, washing your body, washing your dishes, and more. So we're going to try and cover as much as we can in this episode. There will be a few follow-up episodes probably down the road. We'll be talking about hygiene off and on in other episodes, uh, including the summer camping episode that Ryan and I are going to be recording later. But just be mindful that there's a lot to get into on this stuff. We're hoping to keep this under an hour. So maybe I should stop doing the introduction just get into it. <laughs> the first thing on the list is toilets. It's the first thing that people always ask us. And a lot of people are nervous about going to the bathroom in the woods. Uh, we've actually had people who were, you know, seasoned outdoors folk who would go back to their cabin or go back to their hotel to poop because they didn't want to stay, uh, go poop in the woods near our camp. Even though we have a latrine set up and everything else, all the amenities you could think of for an outdoor site, they just weren't comfortable doing it. And so we want to get you a little bit more accustomed to those things. And the first way to do that is to just talk about it. it poop is a natural byproduct of the human body. Every single person poops. It's gross, it smells, it can cause problems. And it can cause problems if you don't. And it can cause problems if you don't. For days yeah. on end. Definitely. <laughs> I've I've had people that did that before and it was and I, I'm not gonna lie, like my first time out in the woods overnight as a kid when we didn't have a nearby latrine that was a clear outhouse or something, I was also like that where I was trying to hold it in. And I don't do that anymore because it's like ruins you. It, it ruins you and it ruins the trip and it makes everything miserable. So just, you got to bite the bullet and just bear with it and just learn how to do these things the right way. And we're here to help you with that. We're going to try and hold your hand on the subject of going to the bathroom so that we don't have to hold your hand while you're going to the bathroom in the woods. <laughs> so toilets, the big question that comes up is where do we put it? Where would you recommend a toilet to be, Rye? Well, you don't want to be too close to your campsite yeah like that you want to make sure it's away from that you want to make sure it's away from bodies of water mm -hmm. especially your drinking water but also at the same time just 
So you're not out in front of everyone else. <laughs> that too. So there's things, just privacy as well as sanitation reasons. Have it far away in a discreet spot too that you're not going to likely have people walking by you and locking eyes while you're pushing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so one recommendation that I hear quite a bit from a lot of different people is one, if, if possible, 100 meters from your camp and 100 meters from a body of water. That can sometimes be really easy. Sometimes that can be really challenging and you got to get kind of creative in some certain ways. The reason I've heard most about keeping it 100 meters from your camp is not because of necessarily wildlife. Yes, some wildlife will go into your thunder box, your cat scrape and or cat hole and dig up the dookie and, and make a mess. Uh, often this is dogs that are at the campsites. So be mindful of that. The real reason, though, that I've heard a lot from a lot of people is flies carrying the fecal matter back towards where you're preparing your food or eating your meal. That's the main reason. The reason that you want to have it about 100 meters from water is usually around the lines of contamination. If it gets a heavy rain, that stuff that you left back there in the woods can get washed down into the body of water, and now either you or the next person camping there is going to be ingesting that with their next pot of water that they bring in for, for cooking or drinking. So whenever possible try to follow that we've been in spots i've been in campsites where the campsite is 50 meters wide and both sides are lakes so where, where do you go there i personally find the lowest spot that's not going to have instant runoff into the bodies of water and i try to get to the center as far away from both bodies as i can and again you gotta have to get creative with it sometimes you're on canada shield you can't dig down and again you got to get creative with it well, as long as you can dig six to eight inches into the ground where the microbial life is. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> as long as you can keep it there. I like to go and overturn trees where they've been uprooted and you have all that area right there. That's mm -hmm. always a good spot that I like to use or even any divots or natural where they're like a hundred years ago, a tree fell down and now yeah, there's yeah. just a pit in the ground. You're not likely going to have any runoff through that. So it's always trying to find those landscape markers that will show you where you're least likely. And if it's underground, you have a lot less likelihood of seepage yeah. getting into that body of water, that stream, that river, that lake. So Now, if you're in a group, the toilet site should be well designated. Mm -hmm. And it should be one toilet site, preferably in one area, so that people aren't just like told to go make a cat hole and then they leave their toilet paper and make little tent cities all through the woods of their piles of toilet paper that is the frankly the most disgusting thing i see in a lot of campsites is where you just yeah. see piles of toilet paper out in the woods and you know what happened there mm -hmm. it's whether it's number one or number two i don't want to see that yeah so try to designate one site and if you're in a larger group like let's say 10 to 20 a slit trench is probably your best bet because you can move where the hole is in the trench by covering everything else with brush. And that way, as it fills up, you can keep backfilling with the dirt and covering up the mess and getting to a fresh hole. If you're out on your own or with a couple of friends, uh, a cat hole is what a lot of people talk about, which is about, as Ryan said, six to eight inches deep, maybe with the same wide and, and long so that you can make sure that you get you know aim mm -hmm. um a lot of us who've been pooping in the woods for a long time can pretty much be snipers with their butts but and that's a big but some people 
miss. And so what I recommend is find a stick, bring it with you. So if you miss the hole, you can kind of push everything into the hole. And then again, cover it up, make sure everything goes into the hole and then cover it up with good organic matter. Uh, I'll even throw a handful of leaves down the hole before I put the dirt back on. So there's something to biodegrade with the fecal matter and kind of make it more into proper natural humus in the soil. You need to have it within the soil where all that microbial action is happening Mm -hmm. because if you just leave it on top you're just going to get the flies to it you're going to get these little cakes of toilet paper and everything that's not really going to break down it's just going to sit there and sort of rot over the course of a couple years whereas if you dig it down it's in a nice moist area Mm -hmm. it can actually break down with the microbes that are in the soil definitely so and that also prevents that risk of the camp dog now, I remember one spot where we were hunting, uh, the guys would say, just cover it up. It's all Canada Shield. You can't really dig down. There wasn't really any places to do so. And so what they would do was actually make the mess, find whatever pine needles they could, threw it on top, and then put a rock on it. And one of the guys didn't know that part about putting the rock on it. And then in came the hunting dog. Mm-hmm. And guess what that dog did? <laughs> And then came back to camp. The handler of the dog didn't realize it. Got back into the camp and everyone's petting the dog. And then sure enough, somebody pet the right spot. And a lot of yelling happened that night at the (laughs) camp. So bury whenever possible. Um, Find something. If you can't bury it down, cover it with things that are not going to be easily. And things that are not going to be just like picked up by the next person, like a piece of firewood or a piece of birch bark. Cover with something solid and heavy. I I even simply just found a rock in the ground, pulled the rock out, did my business in there, and rolled the rock back on top. I even ran into that problem in Tamagami on Ishpatina Ridge with the forbidden porridge. (laughs) That we were hiking the Ishpatina Trail, going up, and then all of a sudden my buddy saw a big, nice piece of birch bark, and he's like, I'm going to save this for later for when we have our fire. Lifted it up, big pile underneath. So... And that was like right on the trail too. The person really? was going along, and That's just gross. didn't even yeah. Especially if you're on a trail, just go off like ten to twenty yards, yeah, and at least get yourself where no one's going to be just traping through there and getting to it. So yeah, it's always mindful to keep in mind for your team itself, your group. But also the people that will come after you too, so it's not easy to accidentally stumble into it. Right. And one of the things with like trying to keep the animals out of it, don't put your leftovers from dinner, that stuff that you didn't finish, into the hole where you just went. Don't just have one hole that everything goes into your gray water, your food scraps and everything. Yeah, yeah. So keep in mind to have different places to dispose of each thing because you're less likely to have something digging into it if it's just a pile of shit rather than pile of shit mixed with leftover spaghetti (laughs) and then your coffee from the morning grinds and all that totally it's and we'll be getting into like camp setup will be our next episode where ryan and i are planning that for the summer camp session uh episode but uh talking about toilet paper wiping in the woods is something that becomes sometimes challenging some people forget the toilet paper is the is the biggest concern i ever have with folks it'd be nice if they started coming up with colored toilet paper you had a rainbow of toilet papers to give each person their own color-coded toilet paper so you know who's the one that's the bandit shitter (laughs) so yeah it would be nice to have that but then sometimes you just end up with the people who wake up in the middle of the night and they're like i need to go now i'm only gonna walk 10 steps from my tent and then just go down and it's the middle of the night. I don't have a stick or a trowel and I'm just going to squat right here, do it. 
throw the toilet paper down. Sometimes yeah. I even just like burning the toilet paper after it's done. Depending, as long as nobody's around the fire while you're doing it, don't walk up with your. While everyone's like having their marshmallows. <laughs> and throwing in the forbidden chocolate into oh, the mix. Oh, God. That's a s'more. <laughs> I don't even like s'mores to begin with, but now you're making them even worse. There's there's actually like a. I'm, I'm often, I try to avoid burning the toilet paper, not because of like the smell or anything, but because I remember back in 2015 or 2016, a gentleman was trying to do that and ended up incinerating thousands of hectares of land because he did it the wrong way in a hot, in a fire ban situation in the Mm -hmm. Western United States ended up killing himself in the fire. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to learn how to bury my waste the best way possible. (laughs) One thing that I actually recommend to a lot of people is once you put the toilet paper in, I know it can sometimes be hard after you've done number two, hold in number one until you're done and pee on the toilet paper and help dissolve it down a bit before you bury it. Mm-hmm. That helps break that paper down a lot faster. Um, carrying toilet paper is a challenge to a lot of folks because often they'll have it in their bag, they'll have it with their other stuff, sometimes just in their clothing bag or just rolling around loose in the in the backpack and they take a dunk or they get a rain and the toilet paper is just a mat of mess. And usually by day two or three, the toilet paper usually does get slightly wet is there ways that we can avoid that? Well, even going with that, there's some places where you have to literally pack out everything you bring in with mm-hmm. you for leave no trace rules and certain through hikes. And I'm not familiar with Appalachian Trail and everything like that completely, but there, I think there are some areas where you need to pack everything out discreetly, including your toilet paper. And even a lot of mountaineering situations, you need to carry pretty much everything with you. You can't just be on the ledge of a cliff throwing your toilet paper down to the people a couple thousand feet below. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I've experienced it before, running into wet toilet paper issues. Sometimes that was people not caring enough for the roll of type of toilet paper while they're on the toilet and it rolling down a hill into a lake in Killarney. Oh, lovely. Where we had to then paddle. Luckily, our next campsite was within a couple kilometers of the uh, put-in point. So we are able to go back to, I think it was Bell Lake or something like that. But going back and getting a fresh roll of toilet paper. But keeping Ziplocs if you have them. Having an actual toilet kit in like a sea line dry bag mm-hmm. is always one of my go-tos. Having everything in there, you get a ro- cup, roll of toilet paper or two, depending on what your group size is, or if you're just solo, just one should do you. But yeah, it's keeping everything together. I like to put roll of toilet paper, a trowel, mm-hmm. if, especially if it's just a folding trowel, something that goes down nice and small. Because mm-hmm. if you can fit into a five-liter bag, then that's perfect. Totally. And then a thing of hand sanitizer, that's a big thing too, is just keeping your hands sanitized. I don't like to do it as much in the real world, except aside from the whole pandemic. (laughs) Yep, it's helpful. But it's always nice having one of those ready to go. And just anything else you may need in your kit. So it can be nicely stashed away on the top of a bag when you're hiking, when you're paddling. Mm -hmm. So it's easily accessible and I like to put it in a brightly colored bag too, so you'd be like, oh, yep, just grab the yellow bag over there, (laughs) ready to go. So you're not just searching around for your green colored dry bag in in the middle of a forest. Yeah. So. And on that note, that's actually how I often, when we go on trips with people, that's kind of, we have a group toilet bag, and if that toilet bag is not sitting by the fire, someone's at the toilet. 
yeah. and that kind of helps remind people let's not go back there it's mm -hmm. not here someone's using the bathroom give people their privacy or even just at the entrance to the trail to yeah. the bathroom so when you're walking through if you see that bags on the trail then you know nobody's there but if it's gone then you know not to go there other ways i like to do it is a canoe paddle if i'm on a canoe trip just leaning against mm -hmm. a tree across the path as a little makeshift barrier we can all keep ropes and signs with us in our packs to have it a nice little homey setup but yeah. anything you can do to kind of signal that someone is in the bathroom at that point in time a lot of times i'll just leave it hanging on a broken branch mm -hmm. right next to the trail so it's easily seeable if it's not there all right we're getting distracted by the ducks they're getting all <laughs> agitated about something one of them's taking a bath, and I think that's getting everyone else annoyed. <laughs> Anyways, um, on the subject of wiping, though, so let's say toilet paper's dissolved, and we're like six trails back, six portages back. There's no way getting back to a toilet or to a store to buy some more paper. It's happened to me more than one occasion. I, I hate to admit it, but I'm often that guy that just forgets to bring butt wipe, and I get out hunting, and I've had the morning coffee on the drive to the hunt site, and now I've got to go. It's never pleasant but it is the reality. Um, I do not, this is not, just to clarify, this is not me boasting. This is not something I'm proud of, but I've wiped my ass with a lot of weird things in the woods. Grab up, not down. <laughs> Grab up, not down, yes. First off, of course, leaves of three, leave it be. Do not use toilet paper that is going to be made out of poison ivy. It's not pleasant. Uh, beyond that, though, what can we use? There's some things that are going to work, but they're not comfortable. Some things that are going to work that are really comfortable. And then there's some of the best. The absolute best toilet paper from the woods that I've ever used, or butt wipe I've made in the woods, was sphagnum moss. That was fresh sphagnum moss right from the bog. And I picked out every little twig before I used it because that twig mm -hmm. is going to scratch you or stab you. And that's not somewhere you want to get mm -hmm. scratched or stabbed. Uh, sphagnum moss is very effective. It's got, water it's got water inside of it that's antiseptic, so you can actually clean yourself very well with it. And it was traditionally what was used by many people in the northern climates uh, for baby diapers, uh, for pads for women on their moon time, and of course as toilet paper. It's a very, very effective thing. In fact, the Muskegua Cree didn't have a word for diaper rash until the 1970s when they started using disposable diapers because their kids never had it because of how antiseptic the sphagnum moss they used was. So it's a very effective one, very useful one. It's my absolute favorite. Past that, moss that hasn't been picked very well. That's not as pleasant, but it works the same way. You're just going to have to be very delicate with how you wipe. Past that, things like cedar bark that, you've, that you kind of roughed up like you were going to do a kindling or tinder bundle with, fluff it as best you can and get as much fiber loose and soft as you can because again it can scratch and it can poke mm -hmm. um barring that grass the dry long grass is better than the short green grass i can tell you that from experience again and again it will actually absorb and actually wipe and clean you green grass does not do it as well because it's already got a lot of water content and therefore it doesn't wipe very well it smears um wintertime snowballs mm -hmm. and I often joke with our kid, uh, with our staff and our students if you're winter camping and you use a snowball you don't need coffee because you're wide awake when that thing hits you <laughs> and the other joke is now you got a projectile in case anybody pissed you off but uh, it's a built in bidet as well <laughs> yes exactly it does wash very well you just want to make sure you dry off afterwards because yeah. sometimes it can get very wet and now you put your long johns back on and it's soupy um 
I've known a lot of people who worked up in the Rocky Mountains and mountain ranges where they don't have uh, grasses or mosses or anything available, and they've actually just said around smooth rock does very well. And then what they recommend is you smear everything flat so that the sun can bake it dry and kill yeah. any pathogens and then it just becomes dust in the wind which makes me really uncomfortable when I'm in the mountains and breathe into some dusty air yeah that's one of the ways we learned in school was oh, yeah. the smear method that's, on a rock yeah. that faces the sun get it on there and it'll just dry out and the heat and everything will just kill anything that's in it you hope. especially after it dries out and just powders and dust and I just, ever since then, when I first learned that when I was in the desert and my buddy Jim told me that, I just started wearing a buff over my face every time it was dusty, <laughs> a wind blowing. I was like, oh, I don't want to inhale dookie. I think about it all the time with when you see all the animal stuff on the ground that's yep. just dried out and yep. disintegrated. So. Yeah. so, past wiping. So, another thing that comes up is the idea of like the Bedouin tradition of one hand that's for wiping, one hand's for eating. If you're in low water conditions or you don't have a lot of hand sanitizer available, let's say you're in a de desert or arid environment, you can follow that practice and wash your hands as best as possible. But remember that a single fingernail can contain millions of Giardia lamblia cysts. So even when I'm here in Ontario with a lot of water around me and I wash my hands thoroughly and used hand sanitizer, I still prefer to eat with my left hand and wipe with my right. Just little probably a TMI thing for how to know which hand I'm using. <laughs> Don't shake my right hand after I come back from the latrine, I'll tell you that. But it just makes me feel less likely that I'm going to accidentally self-contaminate and get myself sick on something. Mm -hmm. A lot of cases of actual Giardia can be traced back to poor hygiene, not bad water. So washing our hands kind of comes into the next part of this conversation. Yeah, I've been on canoe trips before where the week after we get back someone will send out a group message being like just watch out everybody i've been dealing with some beaver fever for the last week or so and it was probably from contaminated hands while dealing with their food eating mm -hmm. their burrito around the campfire when they still have a little bit of it's not always the stuff you can see you might get everything off there but it's not fully decontaminated you can wash you can never wash the shame away <laughs> so yeah especially using clean water to wash dishes that can way it gets to if you wash your hands into those dish bins and then that gets on a plate and it's not fully sanitized then that can end up on everyone's plate yep and then all of a sudden you have an outbreak and it's not something you want to deal with on a canoe trip even let alone at home kind of thing because you're just locked to the toilet yeah. for the most time and dealing with those sorts of things out in the woods becomes even that much more dangerous dealing with dehydration and being able to get yourself back to civilization especially if your whole group comes down with it rather than just one person that then they have to babysit that person mm -hmm. and make sure and they're doing most of the paddling while the person's killed over in pain yeah so it's just something you want to make sure that you take care of and on, on that note of like contaminations and like gut problems and everything else, I just want to mention that a lot of people on like day one or two of camping trips, they'll often be like, I've been having the runs. I may have drank bad water. As we talked about in the wild water episode last spring, one of our very first, I think it was like episode nine or 10. Uh, that's actually pretty unlikely on the first couple of days. Chances are your body is just trying to get accustomed to being in new environment and a couple of extra new stresses or stressors. So chances are it's not that big of a deal. Just stay hydrated. And if it continues and you're like 
threading a needle with your poop regularly all day long yeah you probably have something but if it's just like you're having loose stool in the morning when you first get up relax chances are it's not a big deal just drink your water stay hydrated wash your hands especially since people are typically eating different foods than they normally are totally especially if it's if you're eating backpacking meals and all that kind of stuff it could be different spices that upset your stomach rather than some of that like caleb said it's it's not necessarily within the first few days that sort of issue mm-hmm. it could just be with what your diet is getting used to the minerals in the water that you're drinking and all that so yeah so the other part of washing our hands so hand sanitizer we both recommend that it's a great way to make sure the hands are clean ish or at least clean enough to make or sanitize enough that we shouldn't have too many concerns yeah. but you still got to thoroughly wash when possible mm-hmm. um don't wash right in the lake with your hands again you may spread a contamination if you can get some dr bronner's or other biodegradable soap and go uphill towards preferably a gray water filter that we're going to talk about in a bit wash there wash your hands thoroughly in other situations where we are in low water situations i've simply with my clean hand grabbed a cedar branch chewed the cedar spat into my hand scrubbed with that and then used the hand sanitizer afterwards scrubbing is part of what's necessary that's why soap sometimes has like grit in it to help you remove things from your hand well that's the thing with hand sanitizer people just do that over and their hands are still brown with mud and yeah. whatever stuff is still on their hands so you need to wash and then sanitize yeah. whenever possible Another thing I forgot to mention during the wiping thing is having wet wipes. But even when they say they're biodegradable, you need to either pack them out or make sure you bury them so they can mm-hmm. actually get torn apart by the microbes and everything. Great point. I completely forgot about that. I was yeah. going to mention that. I completely forgot. Because they're nice to have when you want to feel clean. Yeah. And that's like the built-in bidet there yeah. <laughs> when you're out in the woods. And they're more for than just that. You can like, if you're on day three of a really hard trip and you just haven't had time to really have a good bath, it is so great to just wash your groin, wash yeah. your armpits. Mm-hmm. get that stuff out of there so the bacteria and the odor cuts down you just feel a lot better just from like a single wet wipe can make your whole day yeah there was one time a few four years ago now that i just walked into walmart and then went to the child care section they have boxes of it with 12 individual packs in it and so now i'm i've been set for the last four years <laughs> with wet wipes i still have three or four unopened packages so it's always nice to have you can wipe down your hands to get all the muck and grime off it. You can give yourself a nice face wash mm-hmm. just under the armpits and the groins. Under so the, behind the ears. Yeah, so it's nice to get off it because then especially when you take it off and you see it's yellow and brown from all the caked on dirt and sweat that you've accumulated. Mm-hmm. So they're a nice little thing to have. Just make sure you dispose of them because I've seen too many times someone's packed the latrine, the thunder box with them. You see them where those toilet paper mountains are. Some of the toilet paper started to disintegrate, but the wet wipes are still sitting there just dried mm-hmm. out because they're so tightly woven fiber. And a lot of them have some plastic in them. Yeah. A lot of the brands. I'm not sure I'm not sure if like the brand wet wipe yeah. does, but I know a lot of like the cheaper brands, they add a little bit of a plastic fiber to make them less likely to poke your finger through. Yeah. And it's just not good for the environment. The biodegradable ones are a little bit better but only if you do the right things and bury them, put them in the ground, or pack it out with you, like Ryan said. Yeah. Um, so washing our hands, we've kind of well covered. If, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say on there. For packing out, a good thing to do is have Ziploc bags and possible have double-layered ones. Yeah. 
have the one that everything dirty packs into and then pack that into another Ziploc bag. So it doesn't bag. break open in your kit. And then especially, too, if you want to be a little more screwy with it, line it with some tin foil. Oh, yeah, or yeah. Or put it in a brown paper bag. I've done a lot working with... I'm a man myself, but working with women in the past, we have a lot of moon bags. So right. then people appreciate being discreet with their... Belongings inside there that they just, they don't want to go off into the woods and come back and then right. be embarrassed by anything. So totally, it's always nice to line those things with tin foil and or a brown paper bag, right. so everything can be in there tight and it's less likely that anything is going to leak out of it. You have a double walled, all sealed in, and then you can pack that into your pack without any worries about anything getting out. So totally. So. We've covered washing our hands. We've covered... Let's get more into washing. Washing the body. Like, as we were saying, wet wipes are great to be able to do that when you are on the move or you don't have the time or you're getting in late and you don't have... Or you don't have a good body of water to swim in. Mm -hmm. My favorite option, honestly, whenever I'm camping here in Ontario, is just to swim in a lake. Mm -hmm. Often, I don't even use soaps. I just use some of the gritty sand that's on the bottom of the lake. Yeah. Scrub myself with that. Wash that all off. People have got to get used to the idea that you're going to stink after yeah. a few days. And it no matter what, you're not going to bring a change of clothes for every day. Mm-hmm. That's how you start off. It's like, oh, I have this shirt for this day, that pair of socks for that day. And then after a while, you're just like, I'm bringing one pair that I'm wearing at all times and a dry pair in case I get them wet and yeah. I need to put on a dry pair of clothing. And that kind of comes in with like body care like I carry like for a week trip I'll carry like a pair of pants and maybe a pair of shorts or I'll pair, carry a pair of, wear a pair of pants that have the tear off shorts yeah uh, one or two shirts one's that's long sleeve one that's short sleeve maybe a warmer sh- uh, warmer jacket or something instead of a short yeah. uh, long sleeve but then I bring like two or three pairs of boxers and I'll bring like four or five maybe six mm-hmm. pairs of socks that's the one thing that I don't really skimp on in my kit yeah because I've had a lot of foot issues in the past. I want to change my socks as regularly as possible. And then I realized I can wear my hikers and wear those socks. And when I get to camp and we're done using the axes for the day, mm-hmm. just switch into sandals and let my feet yeah. air out and wear those until the bugs come out. And that saves a lot of the issues of having to carry a lot of socks. Yeah, occasionally like having the odd pair of Crocs is around the camp. Yep. But especially in, like, backwoods, long canoe trips and stuff like that, I'm a little worried about open-toed footwear, especially around fires. You don't know, especially if people have been partying there and there's glass in the ground. Mm -hmm. So there's, especially with group camps I've worked with, it's often been our policy that you wear closed-toed footwear Mm -hmm. around the camp as well. So I just have a nice, cozy pair of, Sometimes I just brought skate shoes or something like yeah. that, or even just something that lets my feet breathe still, but at the same time, it's... I've been a big fan of the Keen sandals because they have that closed toe, but yeah. they have all that air that can get in and let your feet dry out. I wore those in the jungle when I was in Columbia, and I was in luxury whenever I wore those. I They've got a it. robust sole as well, so you don't have to worry about anything piercing through. through. I was going to mention that when you mentioned like glass and stuff. I remember when I was a guide up in Algonquin, we were like seven portages from the closest put-in. Yeah. And I was walking around barefoot and nearly stepped on a hypodermic needle. Now, yeah. it looked more like an insulin needle. I don't think someone was shooting up back there. Mm-hmm. But still, that's someone's blood that I could have stepped yeah. into and got into my body. Mm-hmm. And so, as much as I do like the idea of being natural and everything else, I still wear sandals or at least, at least a pair of flip-flops or something. Mm-hmm. 
when walking around at a campsite, regardless of how far back in the woods it at is. At least any sort of footwear is better than none. You get the people that like to walk around barefoot through their campsite, but yeah. the further away you get from help, the more portages you get on your trip, the more clumbers you put under your feet on a mm-hmm. hiking trip, your feet you need to take care of on a trip. Totally. Especially that goes with just making sure your feet are healthy and you don't get lots of blisters and just overrun with the stank that they've been walking through for two weeks straight jungle rot kind of situation yeah you don't want your feet falling apart on you on a trip whatever way it is yeah on that note with still sticking to hygiene and foot care uh i'm a big fan of foot powders Mm -hmm. they're great to help just dry the the foot out help kind of condition the foot even cool off some of the hot spots from the day i know a lot of people carry a thing of gold bond with them wherever they go for for their boys, for their feet, mm-hmm. for whatever sweat can accumulate. Definitely. And avoid rashing and any blisters or anything like that. So I've actually gotten, when I was living in Wyoming, we came across this, and it was really cheap in most almost every gas station. I've kind, of, I've kind of got this rule in my head. When I go to places and I go to more than one or two stores and I see the same product for body care, I usually grab it just in case because it seems like the locals really need it. Yeah. And this stuff was called anti-monkey butt powder. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much like Gold Bomb, but it's got a lot more of that menthol feeling. It's a cooling yeah. sensation. And I use it for my crotch mm-hmm. because we're working in high humidity when we're in the Black Hills National mm-hmm. Forest or U- U.S. Forest. Uh, I think that's a national forest. Anyways, um, we're walking and you'd be chafing and it would be... Mm-hmm. High humidity, your boxers get wet from sweat, and you get that swass effect happening. And that stuff, we would literally, like, guys would stop at lunch break, and everyone would just pull their trousers down a bit, throw some powder in their boxers, and get back to work. And it was it was a miracle. I actually ended up buying uh, some online last year. Yeah. A lot more expensive to buy it online. <laughs> a lot more expensive, but, man, I love that stuff. And in that line of just being able to take care of your groin, um, again, I'm not a female, but I know that a lot of female instructors that have worked with us, uh, like Christina, Emily, and a lot of other staff who are female, and other female instructors I've met from other companies and schools, often recommend for females to not wear uh, synthetic underwear to help air and breathe and help per- uh, get the perspiration that's forming down there. And thus, for us guys, that's not as much of an issue, but what I've come across is something that me and Ryan are both wearers of and we are both fans of. Um, they don't endorse us, but this is not like, we can call this an endorsement, but they're not sponsors. But if they, right now. Yeah, I'm wearing a pair <laughs> right now too. <laughs> Sax boxers. Sax boxers have become my favorite thing since my friend Dave Ross introduced them to me from Branded Hair and Leather Works back in 2016. I've been wearing them pretty much nonstop ever since because they actually help keep your gonads out of the way of where all that sweat is accumulating between your thighs. It's helping also keep your junk out of the way from when you're walking hard and chafing and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm big and they're not the only brand. There's other varieties of them, but that's the brand that I wear and I like them a lot. I think I've seen ads for like a company called Tommy John and something like that. that. They also do that. And they also come with different styles, different materials materials and everything. A little more active wear, breathable materials. Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping they come up with a... They have the sacks. The last I looked had a a merino long john version. I have the merino black sheep. Are they shorts too? Like, do they do boxer shorts or just the long johns? I'm not sure. I've got the long johns, but I didn't check. I couldn't find anything of merino boxers. And I love merino boxers. That's the other thing I was going to mention. If you don't want to wear sacks or any other specific brand that's got a ball cup 
or ball hammock as some people uh, brands are calling them the other option is merino wool uh, boxers i've been wearing yeah. them for a couple of years now and they help wick away moisture just like anywhere else on your body mm-hmm. and in the groin that's really important because that's where thing bacteria can accumulate that's where like crotch rot stories come from is from yeah. bacteria forming in the sweat between your legs and yeah, your things groin. like ringworm as well that too and all those yeah, sorts yeah. of fungal infections so you got to keep them well aired out and that's why hygiene is a big thing like after you spend summers out on canoe trips non-stop you really realize just how much hygiene really helps go a long way on your trips making you a bearable person to be around (laughs) that too as well as being bearable to walk and (laughs) do what you need to do be active so keep yourself clean and we can talk about soap options uh there's a lot of brands of biodegradable soaps now Mm mm-hmm if you read the instructions on the soaps they all say this do not use it in the water yeah do it away from the water if you're washing your hair washing your body washing your hands you don't want that soap and all the nutrients that comes with it because often these things have things like phosphates and stuff in them that are are naturally occurring like phosphates or phosphorus are naturally occurring chemicals that are going to be the nutrients in the ecosystem but we don't want to cause more nutrients that causes algal blooms and that can cause also poisoning of fish well especially in high traveled areas Mm -hmm. it's not just your little drop in that whole lake it's the continuous week after week yep off the season so it's tons of people coming in they go down by the water and they rinse out their pot that they just cooked in and mm-hmm. scrape a little sand in there and they get all the chunks out of there but then you got just rotting food particles accumulating in there you get the soaps in there you get any oils that were in your cooking mm-hmm. accumulating just on the top and you see the greasy slick as you do it sort yep. of thing so this is where we're, we're going to get into some more physical hygiene but i think this is the time we should mention gray water yeah gray water we're going to get into dishwashing we're going to get into more body washing but we're talking about the subject about soap and stuff and this is the perfect kind of situation your gray water is anything that you've washed your body with wash your dishes with or your cook waters like spaghetti water and stuff like that used water not fecal water not like toilet water but the water that comes from your sink or your shower if you want to think of it that way that's your gray water in the outdoors as Ryan and I just explained that is the last thing you want to be putting into the water outside of fecal matter mm-hmm. gray water filters are very easy to build from natural material that is already dead and decaying on the ground you don't need to go and strip the forest to build one just go and find a bunch of twigs a bunch of branches or a couple of rotted pieces of wood find a divot in the ground or make a divot in the ground fill that with leaf matter and other grassy materials and organic matter that can help catch a bunch of the bits and pieces and help start turning that into compost later on and then pour all your waters into that filter it really saves the waterways it really does save the waterways as silly as it sounds it is like ryan said it's not just your drop it's everybody's drop so if we can start to take care of this stuff and do it again just like your food uh, your, your bear barrel and just like your toilet do it away from camp far enough away that you're not going to have issues of animals coming into camp looking for the scraps yeah we're not talking about throwing your food into the gray water we're talking about like when you're doing the dishes washing your hands washing your hair get that water into the gray water instead of getting it into the lakes well, that's why i like digging a separate cat hole that everyone knows this is the gray water hole yeah. that everything can go into because it might be biodegradable, but you need that bio in there to, to actually it. degrade it. You, it doesn't just go out into the air and then the air just eats <laughs> it away it and breaks it down into something that's no longer there. 
it needs the microbes in the soil, the worms, the bacteria, yeah. everything in there to actually eat it and break it down. So, yeah, it's have that separate one. Don't like I said before. Don't mix it in with your shithole. Yeah, have it so that you can just everyone that's on dish duty that night knows where to dump that water mm-hmm. and then cover it back up. So. Definitely, and that's. Ryan and I have we're both been working on this big garden that we're now sitting in and actually getting to enjoy for the, one of the first times. <laughs> Soil health is a big thing to us. So another thing that I've actually recommended to people before is take a little bit of charcoal out of the fire pit, put it at the bottom of that hole that's going to be your gray water, and then that will help absorb a lot of the smells and a lot of the, the bacteria and a lot of the soaps. All that will get absorbed into the charcoal and hold that. And then down the road, when a new plant starts to grow in that spot, it'll start using that charcoal in the form of biochar. Yeah. And it's a great way for us, and it's a great way for the, to use it for the environment, and also to help clean out the damn fire pit that eventually gets filled up to like a meter deep of ash and char. Yeah. And you start digging down and realizing that every piece of garbage has ever gone into that pit. I'm often that guy that on like the second or third day, if we're staying at the same campsite, I start fooling around with the fire pit. I did that in front of Ryan and Raddick last summer when we were on our yeah. camp trip. I just start cleaning out the fire pits because I don't like seeing all that trash. And I don't like seeing all the just the misuse of the ecosystem. And I often end up dispersing the ash and the char. And that's a great way of using it, using it in a gray water filter system. And dispose of things correctly. If you're going to use the fire method, nothing, tin cans don't burn. Nope. Nothing you can, if you have like your tuna tin, throw it on the fire for a bit just to burn sterilize out it. everything that's inside sterilize it and then crush it down put it in a bag yep. bring it back home with you and dispose of it there pack it out don't especially then you'll see the people with their beer cans they'll throw all their beer cans in there and then like Caleb said you're digging through and you're just finding the treasure over 10 years of yeah. use in this fire pit and especially things like food you want to be careful about disposing it in the fire mm-hmm. it's often a decent way it's a little it's easier definitely than packing it out with you but you want to make sure it's completely burned through and turned to dust yeah. by the time you're done with it don't just make half a pot or a full pot of macaroni and cheese you guys weren't feeling that hungry that day you have still another half pot left and then you just dump it all on a fire that you just started then you're like i'm gonna build a fire to dispose of this mm-hmm. and then you just have this big glob with some singed outsides so make sure you do it properly make sure you have a fire that can actually incinerate it don't glob it all all at once so then take care of it that way and do it a little bit at a time and be sure that it's actually going totally it's it's how i prefer to dispose of food because i've heard i've had a lot of different debates with people over the years like burying the food animals can still smell it unless you put it like again eight nine ten inches down and then cover it completely with a lot of dirt and charcoal and whatever else you can throw in there to help cover the smell portion your food mm-hmm. portion your food uh, if the box of macaroni and cheese says it serves four make four portions in different baggies and take those out and eat one portion if you're still hungry cook another portion don't cook the whole thing and then realize midway through you filled up on trail mix all day and your stomach's not as empty as you thought it was and then end up holding that pot of mac and cheese over the fire all night trying to keep it away from raccoons yeah or throwing the whole thing in the fire and like ryan said turning into a puck just portion your food and if you do have a little bit left over, and when i say a little bit i mean like 
half a cup of food left mm-hmm. and you can't use it or you got some scraps like the stems off your peppers that you brought whole peppers why you brought whole peppers on a three week canoe trip I have no idea but whatever whatever it may be those little pieces throw them in the fire as Ryan said when the fire is well established and you can put some more wood on and burn it thoroughly and turn it completely to ash and even too with washing dishes have a proper setup for washing your dishes yep Sometimes it's easy enough just to have your largest pot as your dish bin mm-hmm. that you can actually boil the water in and then use it there. Or else if you want to get really into it, then te- treat it like it's an actual restaurant where you have like a three-stage yeah, system. Yeah. You can get those collapsible dish bins that you use. Yep. But have one as your little rinse bin. Have one as your... Soapy water. Soapy water, and then have one as your sterilized hot stuff, water. Hot water at the end with a little bit of iodine. Sure, or, or a chlorine tablet or something. Chlorine tablet or something that can really actually just kill whatever's Sterilize left. it at the end after it's washed instead of just doing it all at once. Because sometimes when you do the one, you end up with these greasy dishes at all the end the of time. it still after you're just using the one pot method. So, and that's something that also comes up is like. Make sure the water you're washing your dishes with is warm at least. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're using soap, but soap works best with warm water mm-hmm. to make sure that the grease actually gets lifted off the pot. Yeah. I, I don't know how many times I've seen people wash a frying pan that they cooked bacon in, and then like an hour later, there's dirt in it now sticking to the sides, and then there's some ash from the fire that gets in there. People walk by and some pine needles and twigs get kicked in. Yeah. And then they go and just rinse it before they cook, and the stuff is still in there because it all got glued to the damn bacon mm-hmm. grease. Warm water can solve a lot of those problems. Yeah. It's also why I often, as I we mentioned on our podcast episode that we did with our patrons last time, where I said, like, fl- frankly, I often just do one pot cooking, mm-hmm. and I have my spoon, and I use the pot as my bowl for my serving. But when you're doing group trips like four, five, six people, you may want to just do a whole, like, I'll carry one wash basin, you carry another wash basin, Radic carries another wash basin, and then we set it up and we wash all the dishes together communally and get everything done together. And again, all that water into the gray water system. Mm-hmm. Just remember, it all has to go back into the gray water system. So, on the subject of washing up, we wanted to finish off with uh, washing of the body one thing that I forgot to mention was brushing our teeth dental hygiene is extremely important Uh, people laugh at me because I always got like brown teeth from all the coffee I drink and I'm always (laughs) talking about dental hygiene but it's really important especially if you're going to be out on an expedition style trip where you're going to be out for a while A. Halitosis me talking to Ryan this far luckily we're doing the whole social distancing stuff He's probably not smelling my coffee breath and smoker breath, but otherwise, if we're working at a campsite, we're staying in the same tent or something, my bad breath can really drive people nuts, I'm sure. So brushing your teeth regularly, at least once in the morning and once before bed. If you forget your toothbrush, little thing for you to know, if you go and find a red willow tree, a red osier dogwood, or any other hardwood tree that you can prove and identify is edible and safe, don't go up to a yew tree, don't go up to a freaking locust tree, Basswood can work. Uh, willow, like the white willows or Bebs willows can work. Get a twig that's with the, the length of a pencil. Shave the bark off the last like thumb length of, uh, of the wood. Mm-hmm. And chew that up in your mouth between your molars until it becomes like a paintbrush. And just scrub your teeth with your toothpaste with that. And if you forgot toothpaste, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because I've, I've been working with a crew of youth. 
and on the one occasion they were brushing their teeth and they were told they can use the charcoal from the fire to brush their teeth as toothpaste and they ended up taking the ash from the fire and rubbing their teeth with the wood ash this is not charcoal this is wood ash wood ash is base it's alkali as hell picture what happens when you burn yourself with alkali solutions now picture that on your gums Luckily, it didn't happen to them, but they were like, oh, my my mouth feels funny. I feel this weird sensation. That's the alkali turning to liquid, turning into a lye compound, and getting into their gums. You want to use charcoal. I recommend if you can find a piece of cedar wood that's dead wood, dry kindling, char the end of it on the fire, grind that into a powder, because cedar has antimicrobial properties. That's why I mentioned chewing cedar leaves to scrub my hands. Uh take that charcoal grind a new powder and then dip your toothbrush made of a twig in that powder and scrub your teeth with that and rinse your mouth out again into your gray water gray water filter and yeah your teeth might be a little darker (laughs) they might have a little bit of a charcoal tint to them but they'll be clean they'll be clean and your breath will smell better there's also plants that we come across in the outdoors that can help freshen your breath one that's very common in central and southern Ontario is the wild bergamot Wild bergamot is a member of the horse mint family and the chemical compounds in it that make your mouth feel funny when you chew on a leaf and it feels like it's kind of burning your mouth is because it has the same chemicals as Listerine. So it's a very simple mouthwash that can help get rid of any gingivitis or bacteria in your mouth and it helps freshen your breath. Mint teas are another thing you can do, drinking and gargling with mint tea that you find out in the woods. There's a lot of wild mints. Again, learn to identify your plants before you try this stuff. I don't want you chewing on a piece of baneberry and rinse your mouth with that and then t- come back to me saying that you got sick off of it. Learn to identify the plants. It's the wild bergamot and other members of the mint family that are edible. Well, even if you bring a little bit of baking soda with you sure. and can turn that into a paste with a little bit of water and then scrub that on there, this should do the trick. And the baking soda can be used for cooking and exactly. a lot of other things. So it's... Yeah. It, I'm not a big fan of taking toothpaste with me because I often find it either I bring a big can, a big tube of it, and I only use like a fraction of that, and I'm carrying all this weight. Or you're gonna like bring the little travel size ones that you can get, and the then other, bring like a foldable toothbrush, and yeah, then that packs down really sure. nice and easy. The issue I have with the, with any toothpaste though is I often end up like crushing it and it squirts into my bag. Luckily, I have like a baggie with all my hygiene stuff in it. Yeah. But now I got toothpaste everywhere. So I am often a bigger fan of just carrying baking soda, as Ryan mentioned, is dipping my toothbrush in that and scrubbing. Yeah. It's it, it worked for our ancestors, although they had a lot of bad dental care back then. But Nobody that's likes from having a lot the of fuzzy sweaters on their teeth on a trip. There's a lot yeah. of stuff with oral hygiene connected to mental health and physical mm-hmm. health and everything. Just the bacteria in your mouth go a long way. I've seen studies with just like athletes and stuff when they brush your teeth you feel like you're rejuvenated after you mm-hmm. brush your teeth and you feel clean and fresh so it's always good to keep your dental hygiene on point when you're on a trip especially if you're going to be leading a trip and talking with a lot of people you don't want to be that one that just stinks all the time mm-hmm. you're leading the trip and especially if you're a kid you want to set a good example totally and disposing of your spit after you brush your teeth is a big thing too especially with really minty toothpaste really fragrant toothpaste you want to make sure there's so many times where you see people standing next to the there's people that will even swallow their spit with their toothpaste i wouldn't highly recommend that but it can be done but you get people standing next to a fire pit I'm just going to spit it into the fire and then you see the whole fire ring around it just splattered with this white whitish blue 
as you said earlier, it looks like bird poop bird all shit, over the rocks. All over the rocks, all around it. So, yeah, you want to make sure you're disposing of that, especially since you don't want to be attracting wildlife. Get it into your gray water pit yep. with everything. So. And where was I going? I was going to say something else on on uh, dental hygiene. <clears throat> oh, not on dental hygiene, but it's the similar thing you're talking about the mental health and the, the and everything else regarding your body. I know a lot of folks that carry a shaving kit yeah. when they go camping because it just makes them feel cleaner at the end of the week. Morale ties into it a lot. Yeah. So hygiene ties in a lot with morale and just mental health in general. And they they'll say like flat out like they shave every day like I grow a beard Ryan's got facial hair most of the guys that I go camping with have facial hair but there's some folks that are just like no I like a clean shaven face it makes me feel great especially yeah. after a long slogging day in the woods or the next morning I just want to get up and part of my morning ritual is shaving my face mm -hmm. what I would recommend is leave the straight razor at home take proper safety razors um just so that there's less chance you nicking yourself bad when you have like a crusty mirror on your compass as your only way to really see what you're doing in your mm -hmm. signal mirror from your survival kit. Um, I've often told people like mirrors should be part of your hygiene kit, not just so you can be a little bit of a narcissist and look at yourself in the mirror every chance you get. Tick checks. What is that thing on my, a few years back, a guy was like limping after like two or three days. I was like, what's up, man? And he goes, oh, I've got like this boil on my butt. I'm like, are you sure it's a boil? Like... You seem like you're in a lot more pain. Like, I've had boils and cysts before, and I know yeah. that it's... Like, but that seems like you're in a lot of pain. And he goes, I don't know. I can't see it. I'm like, okay, well, in this situation, show me your butt cheek. He had sat on a log two days prior and had broken a branch, a little spur of a branch, in his ass cheek, through his pants and boxers. Yeah. And it was festering in him like a splinter in his ass that was like a centimeter thick. Yeah. And it was sticking out. The thing was sticking out. He, that's why he kept thinking there was a head on the pimple thing or cyst. And he was trying to pop it half the time, but he couldn't reach it and figure out what was going on. Yeah. And so I just literally grabbed a pair of multi-tool pliers, grabbed it and yanked it out and gave him uh, bandage material and he went and took care of himself. But he could have solved that without me ever having to look at his bare ass by having a, a simple mirror in his kit. Mm -hmm. Checking the bottom of your feet when you're not that flexible like I'm not. If oh I can't tell if that's a blister forming what's going on down there mirrors can really help and again with your hygiene washing up checking to see if you got all that dirt from underneath your groin and or behind your nose or what have you and of course shaving mm -hmm. so mirrors and shaving kits are things you should consider uh, if you're used to using a shaving kit take a shaving kit with you just make sure it's packable enough and you can do things with it I think we've covered everything on like personal grooming and hygiene. Uh, Let's get into dishes. Let's we talked we talked about it a little bit. There's other th ways we can do things. Uh, be if we don't let, let's say we forgot to bring the soap, as we've mentioned before, like toothpaste, or we forgot to bring the the soap for washing. Yeah. One method that I've used on multiple occasions is just taking wood duff, like pine needles, leaves, whatever I can, like real fine twigs. Get the water wet get the water wet get the pot wet scrub it really really thoroughly like a scouring pad that's another thing you should bring with you with your dish kit is just a brillo pad or an sos pad i don't really like the sos pads because the soap kind of gets everywhere and just never really dries up but like a piece of steel wool that you can use to clean your axe as well or scrub your knife or finish a spoon you were carving mm -hmm. scrub it out or as i was saying use the, the the wood duff the pine needles what have you scrub it as best you can rinse that out into a gray water 
and then fill it up with a pot, uh, fill the pot up and boil the hell out of it. And throw all your cups, all your spoons. Most of the plastic camping spoons can handle boiling water. They're usually made out of a nylon that's made for cookingware, like spatulas and stuff in kitchens. Uh, so it can handle the boiling water method of sterilizing everything. If you're really concerned, as I've ever said, uh, as I've often said to people about when it comes down to hygiene of your tea- of your stuff, when in doubt, boil it out. If you don't know, if you didn't have, use enough soap or you don't know if your wash system worked well, boil the crap out of everything in that pot and then, again, dump the water into the gray water. I think that's one of the better options if you forget all your proper cleaning kit, if you forgot your cleaning kit. If you can bring a cleaning kit or remember, I often keep it in a uh, mesh baggie inside my cook pot. So that's right there with all my dishes and stuff, and I'm not going to forget it easily. I keep it in the ba- in the dish, in my billy can, on my shelf with all the other gear. And then when I'm ready to go camping, I don't have to think about it. And when I come home, I just wash the Brillo pad or clean out the, the scrubby and then put it back into the mesh bag, let it hang until it's dry, and then toss that back into the cook pot. There's even companies like MSR that have little scrub mm-hmm. tools. Like I have the MSR one where one side is a scraper, and the other side is a fine... Little brush, brush thing, yeah. So you can scrape it out that way and get everything that's caked on the sides off there because the one end is like a squeegee, right? The other right. is just a brush that you can actually scrub at it with, knock so. things out of there. But you can always come up with your own little makeshift homemade ideas for that sort of thing, definitely. So, dishes, I think we kind of covered that. We, I'm sure there's something else we can bring up during the camp cooking or uh, something like episodes. I, but I think it goes along. Take notes while you're on your trip. You know how much you're going to eat. Yep. Just take detailed notes of what you ate on a certain trip so you can actually look back and take a journal of what you did that trip and even just work on your different sectors of your camp kit yeah, as yeah. you go along. So, you're like, okay, I really want to find tune my dish kit or I want to work on my bathroom stuff because it's it's not everything's built in a day it's hard to kind of go off and buy everything all at once it's easier just to go along especially with the experience and something to go back off of having a field guide little notebook of what happened on my last five trips what did I where were my areas of improvement that I found so what things kept becoming hurdles every time yeah so and then little ideas like oh it'd be so much easier if i had this or that and test it out at home that's one thing i like doing too at home is a lot of preparation that way of under like having everything ready to go testing it out making sure it works and mm-hmm. doing regular maintenance on everything totally so washing we've washed our bodies we've washed our dishes clothes we already kind of talked about clothes in the hygiene part, like socks and right underwear and all that kind of stuff. But washing our clothes, keeping our clothes like high, like first off, we talked about this in the winter episode, clean clothes do their job better, especially for keeping you warm. But they also function better, especially if you're working in really gritty conditions, sand, dirt, mud gets into the fibers of your clothing and you'll notice your clothing starts to break down at those dirty sections of the pants. Uh, or the dirty sleeve that gets a lot of grit in it, the, the 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 creases in your boots that get a lot of caked up grit and sand and mud starts to break the threads, starts to break in. It's actually acting like miniature saw blades cutting the fibers. Well, you just notice it on your socks after you've been out in boots all day long, yeah. and then the sole of your foot is just like crushed flat. Yeah, and it's just you leave them to dry, and then they stand up straight on their own. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. So we want to keep that stuff in mind. How do we wash our clothes best? 
again not directly in the body of water that we're getting our cooking water from it or drinking water from or, or anything we can take our cook pot bring it up and then just simply pour a little bit on the sock with a little bit of soap scrub it around roll it around our hands rinse that off into the gray water and then fluff it up a little bit it's a sock stretch it give it a little bit of life and hang them up or do it several times uh, for underwear same thing uh, a lot of people I've seen will again with those wash basins those collapsible wash basins can really do great at helping you with laundry and so washing our clothes is a big deal and again it's part of that morale if you're walking around in the skiviest scuzziest grossest skankiest stinkiest clothes trying to use every S I could think of to describe it you're going to feel like crap you're not going to you're going to look like crap and especially if you're a leader on a trip you don't look professional you don't look you're trying to put set a good example to those youth or whoever you're taking with you and again hygiene is a morale booster if everyone uh, on many occasions when we've been on long trips there'll just be a wash day where everybody bathes and washes out their clothes and gets it all out of there in certain cases if we forget to bring soap i'll use the sand from the bank of the lake or the river scrub my socks out up on shore up on a gray filter and wash out all that sand and grit and that seems to work for me another technique that i've seen and i've used when i was in areas where we didn't have a lot of water again like if you're in an arid environment the desert for example or you're just in a in a drought you thought you were going to get to this nice beautiful little pond that is always like this ephemeral pond you get to every year and this year just dried up and you only have enough water in there to drink and maybe cook with you may not want to turn that into your bath water wash water solar disinfection of your clothing you turn your clothes inside out hang it on a bunch of bushes and expose it to direct sunlight for a minimum of six hours and then turn it and let it get a lot more exposure and do that like six hours in total so three hours on one side flip it over three hours on the other side and that can help kill bacteria that's going to at least produce odor and potential infections later uh and you'll see, like, you dry a pair of pants like that in the sun for uh, for several hours, and you give it a quick shake in the sun, you'll see all these skin particles just leave the pant legs, <laughs> like this cloud of dust. And again, it's just like pooping in the mountains. You don't really want to breathe that in. But you'll see all this grit come out just from sitting in the sun and letting the clothing do its work. Wool is antimicrobial partially. People try to th- think of that like gospel, and that means the socks can just take care of themselves. Ryan described what happens to your socks after a long day on the trail. Those are wool socks usually. <laughs> they get crusty. They get gross. <laughs> Set them out in the sun. Let that sun cook the inside where it's been in contact with your skin. And then I turn it inside, right side out and I scrub it. I'll get a piece of wood and I'll sharpen an edge on it like a knife and I'll just beat and scrub and scrape mm-hmm. at my clothing until all the dust and dirt has been beaten out of the clothing. Think of it like the old Mennonite rugs being hung up and they got those beaters and they're just smacking it. Same thing. We're trying to remove as much dirt as we can without use of water. Well, even on certain trips, depending on the time of the year, I will just go for a swim with my clothes. That's a great option. I'll do that and I'll give it just a little hand scrub all over, mm-hmm. get underneath and get the armpits, get every all the crevices. So it's just don't wait a week before you do it and everything (laughs) it's really gross but that's sometimes i'll just fall out of the canoe on purpose and do that so but of course it's it's nice and easy it cools you down on those hot july days Mm -hmm. do it in the middle of the day where the sun's at its highest you get cooled down you wash your clothes and it gives you enough time for your clothes just to dry on you after it all so and of course in that that's one of those options where those quick 
drying underwear, quick drying yeah. clothes can really become mm-hmm. your friend because the last thing you want to do is be hiking another like four kilometers with soaking wet boxers. Yeah. So good quick dry material is a good option for that if you can with your hygiene and your body's health. Sometimes if I'm at the end of a portage and I've got everything over, I'll just do a nasty plunge into the water when I'm done. Totally. So then that's just kills two birds with one stone, refreshes you and cleans you at the same time. The last real subject, like there's two more things that I really want to dive into. We talked about it a little bit with feminine hygiene. Um, feminine hygiene, again, we're both guys. We can't speak from experience, but we can speak from the experience of guiding with female staff or female students or clients. And this is not like feminine hygiene should not be just talked about by females or by women. It should be talked about by everybody because think of like as Ryan brought up with me when we were planning this episode, picture a single father who's taking his young daughter out on a trip. He's going to have to know about feminine hygiene so that he can make sure that she's going to be healthy and happy while they're out on the trip. Mm -hmm. So I've asked over many years a lot of our female staff questions about like feminine hygiene and we're going to be talking about this in more detail right around the corner we're finally nailing down the date we're going to be getting it hopefully by the end of july early august an episode out all about women in the woods we've got a bunch of our female staff and female friends who are going to be talking about this subject in detail with us and maybe without us i'd like to be in the conversation too but i don't want to end up feeling like i'm just kind of hogging the spotlight or anything like that or being the one asking all the questions or trying to play devil's advocate or whatnot so we're figuring that episode out still but in the meantime Ryan mentioned moon kits. Moon kits are a bag with tampons, feminine napkins or pads, uh, hand sanitizer, and you were mentioning tinfoil to help kind of give it discreet. Yeah, keep it discreet, keep everything so it's not visible. You don't, people feel self conscious about using it. Bring enough spares, have them carry their own, but also just have a bag with some spares just in case it's mm-hmm. that time, that kind of month. So just keep it discreet, keep it clean, mm-hmm. and keep it sectioned off from the rest of everything else. Yep. And you also want to make sure if it's a young woman who's just started off with it, make sure she's changing her tampon regularly you don't want to run into any issues like toxic shock out in the woods right and stuff like that any bacteria and sepsis so you want to make sure they're cleaning changing regularly taking care of it and they've got something that they feel comfortable it's a nice smooth transition to get things done so it can be easily accessible and done at a moment's notice if needed so totally and on that note, like we talked at the very episode, beginning of the episode, like everybody poops. Menstrual cycles are a natural part of the human body. Mm-hmm. It is something that we need to stop stigmatizing and acting like, oh God, oh gross, or get freaked out. If you work as an instructor and you work with a lot of people, you're going to be working with people that eventually are going to be menstruating and they're going to yeah. need assistance. It's part of your, it's part of your responsibility as a, mm-hmm. as a leader, yeah. but also just as a husband, as a boyfriend, as an uncle, as a father, we need to be part of this. We need to be mindful and understand how this stuff works and how to take care of things. So it's why I'm getting really excited about getting this Women in the Woods episode done so I can learn from it as well. Because mm-hmm. I'm always trying to get, become a better teacher, a better husband, what have you. Especially if you're the one that set it up, make sure you do a thorough 
rundown with everyone that's going to be using it, knowing what's in it, where it's going to be placed, so they can easily access it when it's needed. So And make sure like it's normalized enough that there's... I, I know on several trips I've been on as a youth, there's like almost a shame around this subject. So just as, an, as a person leading the trip or the person ha- that has that kit... Make it very clear that this is a natural thing that you're not freaked out by. And it's not, it's something that is very normal, and just help out as a guy. Just do it, man. Just it helps out. Don't be that weird 1950s husband that is afraid to go into the into the pharmacy and buy a pair, <laughs> a box of pads. Don't get into that. Another thing that's an option for menstruation that a lot of our staff and a lot of my friends have told me is amazing, and I don't have a lot of experience with. I know what it is. I know kind of how it functions, and that's a diva cup. Diva cups are an internal menstruating device that helps you catch the menstruating fluids and not have to worry about tampons, not have to worry about pads. And what's the reason is really popular amongst a lot of outdoors women is it can be sterilized and used again. So they don't have this bag of, of tampons, used pads, etc. They can just use the, the the Diva cup, wash it out, sterilize it. They're usually made of a silicone that can actually handle heat, so you can boil them if you need to, and then it can be used again. So that's another thing to be uh, to be on your mind when you're considering menstruating in the outdoors. And on that note, there is no evidence of bears being attracted to women on their moon time. <laughs> there is no evidence of that. I have done, and I this is going to sound weird, and this is not a boast, this is not a flex, this is just because of my line of work, I felt like I deserved to, I, I felt like it was my responsibility to learn this stuff. I have spent hours looking for any documented evidence of this. There is none. There is none. All these stories of people that would be like, no, no, man, I've heard about it. It happened to my sisters, cousins, friends, uncles, neighbors, wives, sister-in-law, and she got attacked by a bear. No. No, she didn't. Because we have done thousands of hours of, 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 of case studies on bear encounters. And none of them tie back to menstruating women. So stop spreading that rumor. Stop being afraid to go in the woods because your partner or significant other or yourself may be menstruating. Do not worry. Bears are not attracted to them. Oh, my good friend, Brick Tamland. Something warned me about that <laughs> one time. Yeah. <laughs> so the the final thing I want to bring up on the subject of like being you know discreet and everything else is privacy while trying to bathe yourself, wash yourself, use the bathroom, get changed. A lot of people get freaked out. I've on many occasions the the argument I've heard from a lot of people why they didn't want to poop in the woods was well someone might be watching. First off, let's get this out of the out of the way. No one wants to. No, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. There probably are some people out there. But there's no one I know that I've met to this day out of years and years and years of working in the woods. I have not met a single person that's like, I want to watch that person poop. I've never met them. I'm sure someone out there has that interest in their post-academic studies of some sort. I don't know them. Relax. The only things that are probably watching you poop are animals going, why is that woman or person or guy or what have you doing that thing over there why is that person doing it's something it comes down to a poorly constructed pooping area that too and that gets not back a to well privacy. placed and everything so easily ways to combat that is have a little privacy wall built by a tarp just tie up a tarp as a wall and then you're good to go so you're not locking eyes with people as you yeah pinch in a loaf so. that's a good one <laughs> um and as ryan mentioned earlier like the 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 hygiene kit on the trail 
or a canoe paddle across the trail and then make sure that your cleaning area or bathing area or bathroom is far enough so away. So people know not to just go wandering into the woods, picking up firewood close to it. Yeah. So. But another trick I learned from Karen Hood from Hood's Woods Survival, one of the oldest online survival resources in the world, survival.com. What she recommended for a lot of people, especially for getting changed, like I camp in a hammock. I don't have the privacy of a tent. So I was curious with that when I was first getting into it. And then, of course, going to the bathroom and worry that people are going to try and watch you poop or pee. A simple trick is bring a rain poncho. It covers your entire body. You can get completely changed in a poncho and never show your bare ass to anyone. It goes, if you're squatting down to use the bathroom, it covers you all the way down to your toes. So it's a great, simple way. And you're going to be carrying it with you probably anyways as rain gear. I like ponchos over rain jackets myself because they let me air out better. I often find rain jackets are a little too clingy and claustrophobic and not breathe well. And they don't cover my pack. So I often have a poncho. Uh, not everybody does, but I do recommend them for those reasons. But also it gives you an extra extra comfort of being like, yeah, I've got privacy. And I've had people argue me, no, that's not much privacy. It's I'd rather have a solid wall. Sure, and I'd rather have a solid wall when there's a bear coming around my camp, but we all stay in nylon tents anyways. So just learn to get used to yourself in the outdoors. Listen to your body, but also listen to your mind. Don't worry about things so much. Don't panic about things. Also, don't be afraid of thunderboxes so much. I've had so many kids that it's their first camping trip or something like that, and they're like, this is just where everyone's butt cheeks have touched this place. But they're often made out of cedar, so they're antimicrobial. It's not that big of a deal to sit on a thunderbox and do your business. Other ways, if there's no thunderbox in the area, I'll hang my butt over the side of a log. Yep. That's sitting up about knee height. I'll just do that, prop my thighs right up on it, and then dig my hole on the other side, and then do my business there. I've done it in winter, too, where it's a little colder on the thighs. But <laughs> you can do it. It still works, but... The method that I often end up doing is uh, for going to the bathroom, since we're back on that subject, might as well talk about it, is uh, flat foot squats are actually how the human body was made to poop. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest way for you to actually pass. Getting your knees elevated. Yeah. And even my gargantuan butt can do a flat foot squat if I practice or at least do some stretches first. I like holding on to a tree, like a sapling or something like that, where you can actually hold on to it and then squat down so you're not worried about your footing you're not going to accidentally fall go ass first right into the hole you just did your business in yeah also on that note if you're squatting to use the bathroom and you made a hole and it's on an elevation of any kind or an incline of any kind face downhill don't face uphill because when you try to squat you're going to go downhill so you want your feet in point your toes pointing downhill your heels pointing uphill not the other way around because uh, as ryan just mentioned you don't really want to fall into that hole right in the middle of doing the business but I learned that that sapling grasp or small tree grab is the only thing I learned out of being in the Air Cadets for four years. I even know some women who will go with their buddy to go to the bathroom. They'll both hold hands and then both squat at the oh, same time. Oh, that's a clever idea. It's a nice little bonding moment. For <laughs> One of the summer camps I worked at when I was younger, uh, they had what they called the fort. And what yeah. it was was a big holding tank cistern for all the mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Uh, basically a row of thunder boxes with no and the one had partitions but that was for the kids mm-hmm. the staff had to sit and I would sit there and like oh, okay so 
they just have all these extra. The, my first day on the job I was like, oh, they have all these in case one gets filled up, I guess. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting there, two guys just come in and sit, not like, and it's like that weird thing at the urinal where you're at one urinal completely alone. There's like five extra urinals. Why is this guy standing beside me to pee? Mm-hmm. Same thing happened here where I'm sitting there and this guy sits beside our knees touched while I'm pooping. It sounds like the old Roman toilets and stuff like that when <laughs> you see those photos. The, my first week, I was like, I don't like this. And then after a while, I got used to it. And that goes back to when we were talking with winter camping. Get used to each other. Don't be afraid of each other. And strive for privacy when you can. But if you can't, just get used to it. It's not that big of a deal. The human body is natural. Um, don't be afraid to poop in the woods is really what this whole episode's about. Don't be afraid of it. Learn about it information embrace it embrace it get used to it yeah and make sure you clean yourself because especially go poop too if it stays into you too long then you'll run into problems like toxic shock syndrome or compaction that that compaction is worse you you can't poop anymore just become a brick inside of you so i i had a phobia as a child of pooping almost anywhere and I would hold it and hold it and hold it. And it yeah. ruined my guts to this day. My guts are mangled yeah. by trying to hold it in when I was like five to seven years old. Yeah, we would always make sure when leading kids that they would take a poop by day three. Yeah. Or else then we would have to worry Soapy about water. Things. Yeah. Dunk their butt. <laughs> we we actually did uh, on our one of our last courses before the pandemic, Ryan and I would often ask the students every morning, like, did you poop? And the first day, like, they were giving us funny looks. And by day two, they were like... Yeah, yeah, I pooped today. It's like, cool. Was it a healthy poop? Were you okay? Get used to having these conversations. We all think of poop as being disgusting and gross. Normalize the conversation because it's the only way as an instructor or a leader on a trip. Not the only way, but it's a very important way to check on the health of the people who are with you. There are questions that people ask you in a first responder situation too. What are your pertinent in and outs? Mm -hmm. When was the last time you ate? When was the last time you took a shit? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's important stuff. Yeah, because they need to know what the, where the issues lie. Totally. And if you're not excreting the waste, then that can become a big issue. Mm-hmm. So, And kind of to tie it off, weird thing to say after talking about pooping, but to end the episode, I just want to mention, like, while you're doing these things, as, as we said throughout this whole episode, hygiene is important. Make sure you do it in a healthy way for you and the environment. The things that we're trying to prevent with with our hygiene is pollution of our bodies and the bodies around us, including the bodies of water, the forest body, everything else. So try to be as safe as you can. But also, as we've said multiple times, this is actually kind of a pleasant thing. I've, I actually enjoy pooping in the woods. I enjoy bathing in a lake. I enjoy washing my hair by the fire. All this stuff is actually quite enjoyable when you get accustomed to it. You also get used not to hanging out on the toilet for an hour like you do at home with your yeah. cell phone and <laughs> flipping through TikTok or something while you're on there. You, especially when there's mosquitoes biting your ass, that's when you know to get in, get out quick, and let's yep. go and do this. Or it's like negative 30 and you're sitting on a port, like a yeah. actual porcelain toilet seat mm-hmm. that somebody put on their Kaibo. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, my ass actually stuck to this for a second. Let's get out of here. It's... Yeah, you're right. It did helps free up your day a lot, and yeah. it's also a great encouragement to drink coffee in the morning because that way you can get it all out done in the morning and then stay nice and comfortable the rest of the day. It's good to have a regular routine when you're in the backwoods with that sort of thing. People normally have that at home, but you even get more in tune with it when you're out. You have your coffee, you might have your smoke if you do that, and then you're just ready to go. You have your breakfast. Okay, it's my bathroom time. So. <laughs> 
you get in tune with your body a lot more when you're out in the woods. So. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in for this episode. I want to thank Ryan, of course, for sitting down with me to have this conversation. We got to talk about poop for over an hour. It's great. Shaking off the rust from the pandemic. We <laughs> right. haven't sat together and done this sort of thing in a long time. It's always been across Zoom and it's been a lot less frequent. So yeah, this is great. Nice to get the flow going again. Hell yeah, this has been good. <laughs> and I want to thank all of you dear listeners, especially our patrons at Patreon. The reason that this episode was able to be recorded in this way during the pandemic was because of you literally financing the equipment we're using right now to record this so and if it sounds shoddy sounds weird i promise you with the next patreon uh output that's coming out in the next couple of days we'll be ordering new microphones for this system as well so we can keep doing outdoor even after the pandemic to be able to just be out camping and record we can be on site on a canoe trip exactly 50 kilometers from the nearest road yeah and man. actually be recording a podcast it'll be great talking about everything we've seen that day and everything we've done so what we plan on doing so just wait for that one episode so Caleb had to leave early because he put an axe in his leg so I'm out here <laughs> halfway through the episode is that a bear? <laughs> no, that's just Caleb he was going to the bathroom as we talked about yeah so thank you everybody I want to thank all of you for everything you're helping keep the lights on and you're also helping us get the equipment to be able to keep doing this podcast in these weird times so thank you all take care See you wash soon. your hands. Wash your hands. Literally, <laughs> wash your hands. Take care.